Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, Sharon, we are on the air again. Yeah, we got another lovely day. Oh, it's getting warm out there, I'll tell you. We may as well be down in Spences Bridge and Lytton and Little Oh, Lytton. yeah, and they haven't been getting any rain down there at all. No, they don't. Like three inches a year, I yeah. think, precipitation. Yeah. No. So we got Mike Morris on the line. Mike, are you there? Good afternoon. How are you doing, Sharon? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Are you in town or are you... Out? In Victoria. No, I finally got home. I got home Sunday night, and it's good to be back. Uh, so I'll be working out of Prince George here for the next few months. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice to get out of that rat race, I would imagine. You know, you watch. Sure. I'm so sick of watching it on TV. <laughs> well, me too. Everything's on Zoom. You know, we even when we're down there, um, all of us aren't allowed in the house at the same time. So, you know, there, there <sighs> might four or five or six of us in the house, and the rest of us have to operate out of our offices down there on Zoom. Wow. Has everybody been um, vaccinated twice? Most, yeah, pretty well. Everybody's had their first, yeah. and um, a lot of us have had our... I, I, have, I get my second on Friday, but uh, a lot of them have had seconds as well. Oh, good. I feel pretty good about having my second shot. I, you know, I'm still masking up, but I have to tell you, I walked into some store the other day without my mask, and and I apologized. But I said I've had my two shots. Uh, I, it's so easy to forget to wear the mask. It is. We, I find ourselves, my wife and I, have been doing the same thing. But you know, you, you talk about the uh, the uh, second shot being the booster. It's it's a booster, but it's a psychological booster. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And that's the thing. That's twice now I've walked into a shop without the mask, and I, it is psychological. Oh, I'm okay now. Yeah. Yeah. Here, let's go in scare everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, nobody's yelled at me. Remember when we first started? I remember people yelling at uh, people from, I think it was from Alberta. A couple had parked in Walmart parking lot from Alberta, and they got out without their masks and People were yelling at them to, what are you doing here? And why haven't you got masks on? <laughs> this was last, uh, it would have been in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be so nice to see this whole thing in our rearview mirror and see what the new world looks like for us oh, all. Oh, yeah. But the other thing is, I think there's some positives that have come out of it. Oh, yeah, there will be. There, you know, there's, uh, I think, um, science with respect to immunology has on forward leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. and people are figuring out better ways to, and different ways to socialize and communicate. And Yeah, maybe start to do what we used to do. You know, I was thinking about Friday night and Saturday night, you know, at my home it was, well, Friday night would have been Dad and his guys watching Friday night fights. Saturday night would be uh, everybody coming to our place and making music. Yep. Yeah, oh, you bet. Yeah, singing and and doing that. And we still had a TV set upstairs, but people like being together. Maybe we brought some of that back as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I asked you to come on today because you're supporting Kevin Falcon. I am, yeah. And I wondered what it was that you see in Kevin Falcon that you think he would be a good leader uh, of the Liberal Party. Yeah, no, good question, and uh, you know, it's I've been in politics long enough now. Uh, you know, I got elected in 2013, pretty naive when it come came to the political landscape and and how vicious it can be. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so one of the things that attracted me to Kevin is, is he was in before. He got elected quite young, and, and he served as a minister, uh, you know, finance and health, and I think transportation as well. Mm-hmm. All very busy ministries with big responsibilities. And he was, a, he was quite a scrapper, he would, uh, and, and he got things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he left. So he left politics in 2012, basically, and, and uh, he's been out in the private sector now for just about 10 years, uh, succeeding as a vice president in a very, you know, pretty significant company with a couple hundred employees or more and, and dealing with, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on a regular basis. So uh, he, he's... He, uh, he's got that political experience under his belt. He's got uh, an understanding of how big business works, of how society works in general. Uh, you know, he's been a developer and an investor and whatnot. So he, he brings to the table that political cap or that political experience that you need at a senior level like a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he can sift through the, you know, the wheat from the chape. But the other thing that kind of drew me to him was since he's been out, he's taken a number of courses and whatnot on principal center leadership, mm-hmm. and uh, and principal center leadership is basically leading uh, by or based on your own principles and moral values. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was a series of courses that I took through Stephen Covey. I, I met Stephen Covey, and uh, he was a mentor of mine. And uh, you know that changed my whole outlook on how I deal with people and and. Uh, and how I led my group when I was in the RCMP for the last 15 years or so I was in. No hitting people across the back of the head. <laughs> no, no, we don't do that anymore. We didn't do that anymore. <laughs> no, it, it's based on uh, well, your own moral compass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've had a number of, of lengthy discussions with Kevin uh, since, uh, you know, he decided to, uh, to get back into politics again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that. So, um, you know, based on his previous political experience, his ability to get things done, you know, you can have all these strategies in the world on what you want to build, what you want to do, where you want to take an organization, but very few leaders, uh, in my experience and the experience of many, have the ability to execute on those strategies. Uh, they, you talk about them at length and, and nothing ever mm-hmm. done at the end of the day, but Kevin has got a track record of getting things done. You look at the Portman Bridge, you look at the Canada Line, uh, you know, he got those done. He, you know, this is what we're doing, folks, so put your mind to it. So he was Minister of um, Health as well. He he did some things that I don't like hmm? during his time um, uh, being with Campbell and Christy Clark. And that's some of the stuff you didn't like either with the closing of the, the uh, Riverview stuff that was going on back in those days. I read a little bit about him, and he said, yeah, we all make mistakes, and we have to learn from them. Um, those were kind of knee-jerk decisions in my mind. Um, what do you think? Do you think he's learned anything from those decisions? Well, I think we all learn from decisions that we made in the past, and I think, you know, and I, I'm not going to make any excuses, but I think Riverview was, uh, you know, was on the decline from the 1990s as well, and and uh, you know the decision was made on, on it on the information that he had at hand at that particular time. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, and and I've heard him speak about uh, addictions and mental illness, and uh, you know he's got some big plans uh, moving ahead for that. So maybe we'll see uh, a new. Um, Riverview on the on the Riverview grounds. Yeah, maybe it'll be the 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 house on the hill. 
that would be a good spot to have a, a treatment center instead of a jail. Oh, we, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, the treatment <laughs> centers that we envision today are going to be far different than the institutions that we've had uh, mm-hmm. on 1900s technology, and you know, and and, uh, and architecture. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because we both agree, it's time to change the way we're helping people. Um, you know, you see them. I don't know how those folks got through the winter. And today when I drove in, there was nobody in front of St. Vincent's and, and nobody across from John Howard Society. So I don't know if people have gone back home for the summer or what's happened. Well, maybe they have, but, uh, you know, we we got warm weather and uh, things are nice and warm out there, too. So maybe they found other spots that uh, are more conducive to shade. and, and uh, Yeah, that's what uh, Rob was telling me. Now, tell me about um, this pledge to change the party's name that Kevin Falcon has made. Yeah, you know, there, there's a, you know, we, we're a big tent coalition party, and, and a lot of the folks that come from the conservative side um, are are not happy with the conservative or with the D.C. liberal name. But there's a lot of people that have said that, you know, if you guys had a different name, I'd vote for you guys. That's and right. Just because it's liberal, you know, I, I, I detest the liberalism and, mm-hmm. and uh, whatnot, so I won't even go near a name like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're looking at it, and uh, you know we'll have to see uh, what that name looks like. But this is something that I've heard from constituents and party members ever since I got elected, and, and in fact before that, uh, you know when I was Pat Bell's riding president here mm-hmm. on our agenda, and we looked at several names. But you know when you all these names, of course, we've had some very uh, enterprising entrepreneurs throughout the province here that registered every conceivable name that we would have been interested in. Uh-huh. And we're willing to give it up, but, you know, for six and seven figures. And, of course, we're not, we're not willing to give it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, what were some of the names that were put forward? Do you remember? Oh, uh, you know, back in the day, the BC Party, the Free Enterprise Party, uh, oh, you know, yeah. there were a number, you know, number of different names like that. Yeah, Hippopotamus. Well, no, I don't think we would have gone there. <laughs> now, so, but I think it's a good idea to really look at changing the name because how can we not connect it to to the federal liberals? You just, you know, especially if so many of us are from back east, and you've got it just doesn't work. No, and you know that was a big thing that uh, I spent more time trying to explain to voters <laughs> in the last couple of elections that. You know, we are not associated with the federal liberals and trying to explain what we were all about as a big tent party, but that's a tough thing to do when you got liberal in your name. Yeah, exactly. The other thing he mentioned was that his outlook on life changed uh, immensely when he had, uh, when his daughters were born. You know, that's, uh, and uh, I agree with him, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the big vacancies in my life. You know, I got two wonderful sons that I love to death, but. Uh, um, you know, I would have loved to have had a daughter or two, or mm-hmm. and uh, so that that's a vacancy that I'll never have fulfilled. But I've got uh, you know daughter-in-laws and and uh, you know two beautiful granddaughters that uh, hopefully will help fill that void. Yeah, yeah, but it does make a difference in your life when you start to have responsibilities. I I, I don't think there's a bigger one. Um, than raising children. Yeah, you know, that was a big transition in our life and my wife's Mm -hmm. life uh, life and mine when the kids came along and all of a sudden you start thinking differently, Mm -hmm. you 
do things a lot differently because you got more than yourself to think about. Yeah, you got to think about the future, about their education, how they're going to turn out, what life is going to be like for them. Oh, and how we're going to keep a roof over their heads. Yeah. Fed and in good health and educated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's some other people um, have put their name forward, but I'd never heard of them. Um, to... so they're, they're all, like Ellis Ross, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, uh, he's putting his name forward. I got a lot of time for Ellis. He's a very commonsensical guy. Uh, he was the, the uh, chief counselor for the Heisla Nation. Oh, yes. And he brings a, you know, a good background. Philosophically, we're on the same page. We differ in a couple of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a lot of... of of uh, political background, dealing you know as a Heisla counselor, mm-hmm. but on the, in the the big political world of the province here, so that's where some of his deficiencies might lie. Uh, another one is a young fellow by the name of Gavin Dew. He's in his thirties. He ran for us, uh, you know, a couple of elections ago and and lost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he and his wife run a. Uh, um, a daycare uh, facility of some kind. Oh. Um, but, you know, you know, he's young. He's got some good ideas and mm-hmm. he, uh, what he says. Um, Val Litwin, the uh, chief uh, or the ex-chief uh, executive officer of the uh, BC Chamber, yeah. uh, just announced today that he is going to run as well. And uh, he's a uh, uh, young guy. I think he's still maybe in his late 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll, he'll bring some good experience to the table as well. And then... Uh, Another one is uh, Renee Merrifield, a uh, newly elected MLA in Kelowna. Uh, she may run. Uh, I haven't heard uh, her definitive uh, uh, response on that yet, but I know she's got a team put together. She's a businesswoman from uh, Kelowna, runs a very uh, successful uh, development company. She's uh, got offices in different locations across Canada as well and uh, quite successful, very sharp. She's our our health critic right now, and uh, she's uh, she's a quick study. Oh, good. And and Michael Lee, MLA. Yeah, Michael Lee, MLA, uh, serving down in uh, in Vancouver. Uh, he's a corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. He was elected in 2017 as well. So he's thrown. He ran last time uh, when Andrew won, and right. uh, wasn't successful. And he's thrown his hat in the ring again to uh, see where it takes him now. So yeah. you know, all good people, uh, all bring uh, various levels of experience uh, with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I'm willing and able to work with any one of them. Yep. Oh yeah, yep. I, I know that you're 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 willing to do whatever it takes for our our, our province. Now the the um, election for that position will be in February next year. Yeah, early February next year. So we've got a long ways ahead of us yet before then. And uh, you know, I think we probably won't see too much over the summer. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can get Kevin up here and and. things that Kevin mentioned was the environment yeah. and uh, um, the uh, concerns we've got for the change that's happening in our weather. Look at us at 80 here in the north. 80 what? 
80 degrees. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She's doing Fahrenheit. <laughs> your leg there. Uh, I still think in terms like that, too. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he is very sensitive to that, and he does uh, see the need to have a very strong environmental side uh, to his platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I also like about uh, his thoughts and ideas is he embraces my uh, integrated public safety model as well. So. Oh, good. And uh, so we'll see what we can make on that. And uh, I've been, um, of course, I'm passionate about biodiversity management, and uh, I've uh, given my uh, my whole side of things to him on that, and he seems to understand uh, where I would like to see us go. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Good. Um, the other thing is I've been reading that uh, there's a, a movement about um, our premier not keeping his word about the old growth forest. And I'm getting a lot of emails about uh, about uh, him, uh, our premier, not keeping his word. Yeah, well, there's a number of things that uh, I, I don't think he's kept his word on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk uh, during uh, the election, yep. a lot of promises made during the election, and yeah. uh, not really a lot coming out the other side here. Uh, so uh, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to meet with the force minister deal with, uh, you know, Mackenzie and other issues oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I make a meeting, with, uh, an appointment is here since uh, the end of March. Wow. I keep getting put off. I thought, okay, the ledge is sitting, I'll be able to grab her down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I've been put off again until early July. How can they do that? Well, they, they do that. They just, they really don't pay too much attention to uh, anything other than what they want to pay attention to. Oh, my. You know, so we need to hear more about that because they're not representing all of us then. No, and the frustrating part for uh, my colleagues, uh, fellow MLAs around the province, mm-hmm. you know, any time that we want to meet with, with help or with the transportation or with any of the ministries, yeah. um, we have been advised by the local managers and whatnot that we have to go through the ministerial office and talk to the minister, that they won't talk to us direct, which is, you know, oh. is, um, a, uh, you know a terrible situation because we are the elected people. We mm-hmm. are the ones that, you know, up until the minister gave them instructions, uh, you know, not to talk to us, um, they were talking to us on a regular basis. We could go to them with a myriad of whatever the problems were, mm-hmm. and and they would help us solve those problems. But uh, now that opportunity is was taken away from us. We've complained about it to the premier, um, and hopefully we'll see uh, the ministers get back on track and allow us to talk to the local offices again. But you know, then I start thinking about autocracies and and you know that kind of uh, being one. Uh, tunnel vision and not looking at the rest of the province and what's happening. But it, Judy's giving me the finger. Um, <laughs> I've got one minute to say goodbye to you. <laughs> uh, we need to talk some more about what's happening in Victoria and uh, how um, how to get a hold of the people you need to talk to, Mike. That's not right. You bet. So anytime, just uh, just give me a bit of a heads up, and yep. uh, I'll be around. Okay. Thanks a lot for this, and uh, enjoy the summer. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. This is uh, Senior Moments. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll have our next guest.
Join Kathy Hart Monday afternoons at 1 for Health First. One hour of authors, doctors, researchers, and specialists to help keep you informed on alternative and natural health practices, issues, and discoveries. We also include the latest health news from around the world and local health happenings. So tune in and get great health tips for you and your loved ones. Or visit the podcast link at cfisfm.ca for an archive of past shows. Health First, Monday afternoons from 1 to 2, only here on 93.1 CFISFM. Life Sciences BC invites you to the McCarthy Spotlight Speaking Series, How Digital Health is Transforming Healthcare. Learn how innovation is facilitating a transformation of healthcare delivery with better health outcomes by integrating healthcare systems, eliminating geographical barriers, and providing advancements in artificial intelligence and precision medicine. Life Sciences BC's McCarthy Spotlight Series, How Digital Health is Transforming Healthcare, Thursday from 4 to 5.30. Registration is free through lifesciencesbc.ca. A one-time provincial recovery benefit is available for residents of BC. If you file an income tax return for 2019, you are eligible, whether single or as a family. To apply, you need your social insurance number, your 2019 income, direct deposit information, and a driver's license number if you have one. For more information or to apply for the provincial recovery benefit, visit gov.bc.ca slash recovery dash benefit. The BC recovery benefit application deadline is June 30th. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, sunny, wind from the southwest at 20k, gusting to 40, a high of 29 with a very high UV index. Tonight, a few clouds, wind from the northwest at 20 this evening, increasing cloudiness overnight, a low of 10, then cloudy on Wednesday, and a high of 21. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community on 93.1 CFISFM, this is Senior Moments. We are back on the air, and our next guest is on the line. So we got Crystal Leeson from Hubble Homestead. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Sharon. How are you? Oh, are you on on site? I am. How's that out there? You got a breeze? We have a breeze, so it's quite nice. Um, we've got to watch how much heavy work we're doing today, <laughs> uh, just with the sun beating down, but it's... It's pretty comfortable if we're just taking it easy. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a good song, Taking It Easy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so uh, how's it going? Have you, have, with the pandemic and everything, are you still getting people to come out and enjoy the uh, site? Well, sure. So we've been open since the long weekend, mm-hmm. every day, like usual. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been really happy to have the school kids back. We've been really busy with school tours. Really? Good. So they're, they're excited to get outside and learn some stuff, and we're excited to have them. Oh. Uh, we had one this morning. We have two more. They go right almost till the end of school. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, and then we've been... Um, hosting regular visitors, mainly on the weekends, since we have special activities going on every weekend. And, uh, yeah, so we've been, you know, we can't complain. No. Well, I'm not going to listen to you if you complain. you got a nice place out there. I've just just been on the website, and I think, oh, boy, you know, it just takes me back to um, back in the day, you know, and that's that's the It's a really beautiful place, for sure. And it, you know, if you grew up, on a farm especially mm-hmm. like it just you, there's so much familiarity mm-hmm. it's you know oh, it's the literally... living room the living room and you've got the little um wood stove in the center and and the table everything's set up so nice oh it just yeah. looks so inviting and uh um and i didn't get to go into the store i haven't uh, got that far 
but the, you've got a piano in there, and um, and that little stove is set right into. A, is that a brick, a brick chimney that is hooked into? Um, in the store or the house? The house. Uh, in the Hubble house, um, it's there are brick chimneys. Those are not actually original to the Hubble family. We okay. think that Mrs. Mitchell put those in when she bought the property from them. We're not sure uh-huh. quite what the what the chimney situation was beforehand, but there is like a, um, a another stove in there. Mm-hmm. The piano you mentioned yep. is new. Just last year, we oh. um, received that. Um, from the Hubble family, actually. Oh. Um, so we often are offered pianos, and we always say no because yeah. technically the Hubble family didn't have a piano when they lived here. Right. But the first thing that Mrs. Hubble bought when they moved to Prince George was a piano. Okay. Um, and so the family thinks that it was probably one of the first ones to come up on Stern Wheelers in 1919. Wow. Um, Every member of the Hubble family, uh, until, uh, right up into like great great grandkids, have learned how to play the piano on it. Uh-huh. And um, now it's here in the Hubble parlor, and we we know, of course, that there they didn't have a piano while they were here. But it really speaks to the values that the Hubble family had. Mrs. Hubble really mm-hmm. thought music was important and wanted her kids to learn how to play. I think that's great. And you've got a singer sewing machine sitting in there. We do. It, it still works. Is it is it one with the pe- the pedal on the floor, like the a tre- a treadle, treadle? Yeah, yeah treadle. Tread- because <laughs> I did learn on one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. Well, there is a member of our staff that has used it before, so it takes a little getting used to. But the last I heard, it still functions. So you oh, can yeah. practice if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends on how good you are with your steady time. What your stitches are going to be like. <laughs> Right, I think, I think, judging by how well I dance, I probably won't be much good at it, but maybe it's like riding a bike, you'll pick it up in no time. Yeah, who knows. And then you have a, um, the table set, so is that with original dishes and, and knives and forks, or is that just a, a nice setting of a... Those are just nice settings. So yeah. most of the artifacts we have on site um, have been donated from the community, so uh-huh. um, they are old, mm-hmm. um, but most of them didn't don't necessarily have a tie to this specific piece of property. Yeah. We have several items that belonged to the Hubble family, yeah. um, but for the most part, um, they're from just people, um, just people around Prince George. Yeah, and so ni- was it 1911 that Mr. Hubble came back with his wife from Ontario? Yeah, yeah, so uh, Mrs. Hubble arrived in 1911 with mm-hmm. her youngest daughter, Ada. She had three children already from a for, uh, for another marriage. Okay. And Ada was six years old. She came with wow. her mom to Giscom Portage. And, um, yeah, they um, they welcomed their first common baby in October of 1911, and the house was built in 1912. And there's 336 acres they had. Oh, well, you know more about that than I do. I'm not sure. (laughs) Hubble had, uh, I mean, obviously Hubble had preempted um, the lot that the homestead is on now. Yeah. Um, Actually, the park uh, is made up of two lots, both Hubble's preemption and also Seabox preemption. Oh, yes. Um, And Hubble had preempted several other pieces of property in the area. So um, I'm not really sure, actually, how much 
property they had. Um, that would be a question for my curator, who is big into preemption records. <laughs> yeah, since the Hubble House was sold with the 336 acres of Hubble land to Mrs. Josephine Walker Mitchell in 1929. And it oh, was wow. you're reading you're, yep. you're reading right off our website. <laughs> yeah. It was used to house workers on the WM ranch for many years. Yeah. And I mean the house is lovely and the the way you've got it set up is beautiful. And um let's talk about what's happening this summer. Like you've got um I did look at your your uh, schedule so it starts mm-hmm. June 21st to 24th. You've got treasure hunts going on. Yeah, so every week from Monday to Thursday we have a treasure hunt so you mm-hmm. can come out and have something to do if you're here on a Monday when Monday to Thursday mm-hmm. um, Friday Saturday Sunday we put up a new self-led activity that's a little bit more I guess involved so this weekend we have uh, starting on Friday going Saturday and Sunday is Watson weekend oh yes um, so that is um, a free activity you can get. You can ask for the easy one or the harder one, <laughs> and um, you essentially follow um, clues around the historic site to solve puzzles, um, work to get your prize at your own pace. It's a lot of fun. It used to be called uh, Sherlock Saturday, but okay. we've, re- we've sort of reworked Sherlock Saturday. So now we have Watson Weekend, which is three days, yeah. and we have Sherlock Saturday, which is only on Saturday. Uh-huh. If you want to participate in Sherlock Saturday this year, you do have to pre-book by tomorrow. Oh, okay. But this is a more of a an advanced puzzle, so it's kind of more like an an exit room. But we've uh, we're going to set it up in the Hubble House. Oh, okay. So tickets are ten dollars. Per person, we recommend age twelve and up. But if you have kids that are younger, and they can still participate, and their tickets are five dollars, you do mm-hmm. have to book them in advance on our website. Okay. Um, but it's forty-five minute time slots, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you'll work to solve the puzzles and see if you can get out of the historic house. I guess <laughs> so. You have a little, a little extra access than you normally would mm-hmm. um, as a regular visitor because um, you'll get behind the gates. Oh, okay. well, I thought maybe it was a ladder against a window. <laughs> <laughs> no, you will be perfectly safe. <laughs> the exits are open if necessary. Yeah. Now, uh, talking about that, do you have fire the old-fashioned fire escape thing like my Uncle Nick had in the kids' bedrooms? He had rope uh, for the kids to jump out the window, <laughs> hold on oh, to it. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have that, but that... I mean, it's definitely something that they may have had. Yeah. People often ask um, if, so I don't know if you remember that when you look at the Hubble House, there's uh, the door, the front yep. door, and above that is another door. Yes. And everybody thinks, oh, is that the fire escape? And you're like, well, no, <laughs> like, not really, because <laughs> it just opens onto thin air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, if in an emergency, I guess you could jump out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you were really scared. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, we used to sneak out that my my cousin Lynn's bedroom window with that rope and and climb back up as if they couldn't hear us. That sounds something. You know, I'm not even surprised, Sharon. <laughs> you seem like just the type. Yeah, yeah. Either. I think that's what made our arms grow long and drag on the ground. <laughs> Stretched out from all your rope yeah, from all our sneaking in and out. Now Dominion Day is a big day. So you're, do, do they still call it Dominion Day or do they call it Canada Day now? Well, we call it Dominion Day. Yeah. I mean, because we're 
set in 1915. Uh, right. Technically, everybody else in the modern world calls it Canada Day. <laughs> right. Um, so since we're not having, like, uh, full events like our normal schedule, um, Canada Day activities are running for a whole week. So they start oh. Monday the 28th. Okay. And they'll run until the 3rd. So it's pretty low-key. Um, if you came last year, it's similar to that. We have a passport um, hunt so you can um, explore the historic site and get stamps at every different province nice. Um, nice. as you find them. Yeah, um, We have got um, <clears throat> butter tarts throughout the week if you'd like to have a free butter tart, <sighs> oh uh, special gosh. craft kits, <laughs> um, special um, other activities. And then on Thursday, July 1st, uh-huh. we'll have um, demonstrations. So I think at the moment you have to pre-book, uh, or you can book when you arrive on site. We'll do ice cream making, butter making, and ink making, I think. Mm-hmm. One of our staff um, is learning how to make ink this summer, and so that's one of the demos that we'll be doing. Okay. And then we'll do demos again on Saturday, just on the weekend, um, in case people are looking for more to do. So they can find that information on our website, how to participate, or you can give us a call at the office. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's nothing, like, extravagant, but uh, if you want to get out of the house and learn some Canadian facts and have some free butter tarts or cake, then Hubble's your place. I'm, I'm, I'm for the butter tarts. I'll come <laughs> out. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking that I should dress up as, as Queen Elizabeth because my hairdo right now looks like hers, and I should... <laughs> I should be out there in Dominion Day, <laughs> giving you all a blessing. Now, oh, well, <laughs> now you've got something really good coming up that everybody loves. It's July 17th, A Taste of the Past. Yeah, so that's a day full of demos. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be making all of your favorites, mm-hmm. um, ice cream and butter, of course. We'll probably make even um, like true ice cream, which is fr- like frozen custard, essentially, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. old-fashioned old um, type ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've got hard candy demonstrations, so if you want to, you know... Break a tooth, start, yeah. Well, or... <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> but if you want to dip a toe into the world of candy making, mm-hmm. uh, one of our staff has been practicing, and I think she made... What were they, rhubarb drops? Oh. Right? They sound pretty good. I haven't Ooh. been lucky enough to get one yet. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll probably even have cheese making. So we have quite a few demos, Bannock, things like that. Mm. Um, it'll just be uh, a nice day to come out and sort of learn how some of those old-fashioned foods were made and how um, and you'll be able to be able to taste them. Yeah. Oh, that's a great day. So that's July 17th. And then the 23rd to 25th, you're going to do a scavenger hunt. Now, what is that? Do you have a list of stuff you have to uh, find? Yeah, so um, the scavenger hunts are different every time, and so what happens is you would, when you arrive, you'd ask for the sheet, and then you can spend as much or as little time participating as you want. You have things to find and things to do. So sometimes you have to, like, take a picture of yourself doing something or um, find something. So um, it's been modified from years past so that you don't have to touch common things, Mm -hmm. but... Um, you can do it at your own pace. You have lunch in the middle, and when you're done, come get your prize. You know, it makes me think of my mom and dad and um, their friends, and they would have a come-as-you-are party, and that would mean phoning people, 
you know, at nine or ten o'clock at night when they're in the pajamas and inviting them. And they'd have to come as they were. Whatever they were wearing when the phone call was made and the invitation was made. (laughs) And the the ones that were naked. (laughs) Well, I hope they'd cover up. But they and then they'd have a scavenger hunt and those people would have to go with their list in their pajamas and slippers. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe it we does. should bring that back when we can gather yeah. again. Yeah, really. Uh, and then you've got the Homestead Days, which is July 31st to August 2nd. Yeah. Um, so that's, again, rather than our normal like, two-day thing, it's mm-hmm. a little bit extended. And so we'll have demos um, throughout that three-day weekend and um, some special um, themed activities. So, yeah, uh, our quote-unquote events this year are just more like themed activities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, one day again, we'll have public events, and uh, we'll be we'll be happy to uh, welcome everybody back at that time. Yeah, so um, if people want to learn more, go on the website, and they can phone you when you're back in the office at 564-7033, is it? You bet, and um, usually there is somebody in, even if I'm not there today, someone oh, else is probably there, Yeah. Um, and our website is hubblehomestead.ca, and remember, it's Hubble with one B. Yeah. The other thing uh, before we leave is um, I'm interested to know what the potato festival is. Do you have to be from PEI to participate? No, no. Hubble, the Hubbles were a great family for growing potatoes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, and they don't have any roots in Prince Edward Island. So, <laughs> um, so the Potato Festival is a, is an event that we've had for many years yes. now. Um, we're essentially celebrating the Mighty Spud. So the Hubbles had huge gardens when they lived here, and a, right. a big part of them were potatoes because yeah. they, uh, you know, potatoes are an easy food Staple. to grow in this region. Yep. And um, they, you know, they have a big family to feed, so potatoes go a long way. Um, so we started planting more and more potatoes in our garden. We actually grow quite a few uh, heirloom varieties now. So uh-huh. I think we have about six varieties. Oh. So on Potato Festival, the activities are potato-themed. We usually have a special starchy menu. We have a lot of puns <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can just imagine. Yeah, you know, like hot potato games. And yeah. um, instead of like egg and spoon race, we'll have like a potato spoon race, things yeah. like that. Yeah, Um peeling contests and <laughs> and whatnot um and then the real th- the one of the re- things that people really enjoy about potato festivals you can buy potatoes from the hubble garden so you can come out and purchase uh some of the heirloom potatoes we grew well i i think you should have a a, a little festival before that and get people to come out and pay to dig up the potatoes <laughs> You know, we used to do, like, harvest your own, but it gets a little crazy. So, yeah, so we start, generally harvest it now. You start having a potato fight, you know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I can just see it. But uh, but I think that's fun. And, and potatoes were something that, you know, uh, when I was a kid, that was our staple at every meal was For potatoes sure. and root vegetables. And uh, it sounds to me like you... You have a really great job. 
Well, you know, I do enjoy it, or I wouldn't have stuck around so long. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I mean, you you can just put on the old costume and go back in time and forget about all this other nonsense, except for the 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 uh, covid but i think everybody's adjusting to that but anyway i i hope everybody um, will come out and support uh hubble farmstead because it's a great place and uh, i'll come out and dig up some potatoes for you sounds good well we're open every day all summer long till labor day so 10 to 5 bring the dog come for lunch bring a picnic whatever you like we'll just be happy to see you wonderful thanks so much crystal it's always good to hear from you Okay, take care. Yep, bye. Bye. This is Senior Moments, and we'll take a short break, and then we'll be back to talk about bees. Prince George City Council has released the independent legal review of the recent downtown underground parkade cost overruns. The entire text of the review has been placed on the city's website along with an outline of the initiatives council is taking as a result of the project's issues. The review is available through the mayor and council webpage at princegeorge.ca slash council. Prince George City Council accepts all the conclusions of the independent legal review and is implementing all the recommendations in the report. The United Way and London Drugs are asking you to help fill the immediate need for menstrual products, donations as the pandemic leaves many struggling to afford necessities. Through the end of June, every menstrual hygiene product purchased at London Drugs location or online at londondrugs.com will help the United Way get much-needed products to vulnerable people in BC. For more information about the Wellness Period campaign, visit londondrugs.com slash wellness period. June is Brain Injury Awareness Month in Canada. The results of a recent survey conducted by Canadian brain injury associations revealed that approximately 61% of respondents found general lack of awareness about brain injury a key issue. The Prince George Brain Injured Group has been serving our community for over 30 years. To increase your awareness about brain injury as well as the education programs, services and projects available in Prince George, visit pgbig.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, wind from the southwest at 20k, gusting to 40, a high of 29 with a very high UV index. Tonight a few clouds, wind from the northwest at 20 this evening, increasing cloudiness overnight, a low of 10, then cloudy on Wednesday, and a high of 21. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community. When you live at Riverbend, you will feel right at home. Well, we're back on the air, and our next guest, last guest, is on the line. Hello, Barry Clark. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Gee, it's been a while, eh? It has. I'm trying to remember the last time I chatted with you. Well, the last time we were together, it was Pat Bell's Roast. <laughs> you were my date. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> we, and uh, they actually said I was the best uh, presenter. Oh, yes, you did a good job. I remember that, too. Well, we had lots of fun. Um, and I, <clears throat> it was all about wine, not about him. Yeah. <laughs> and so now you, you're a retired RSMP guy who now spends his time raising bees. That's a whole big switch there, Barry. Yes, I, bees have become a big part of my uh, my life in the last few years. I, I also am the, the bee inspector for the Ministry of Agriculture for oh. our area. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I represent... I'm, on the, I guess, a, a regional um, rep, 
if you one word for it, uh, uh-huh. the BC uh, Honey Producers Association. Okay, and so people think that uh, all bees are good for is um, uh, producing honey, and and that's why I wanted to talk to you about the importance of bees in in as far as humanity goes and our existence goes. But first of all, I want to know how you go from RCMP uh, to a beekeeper? Ah, well, that's a good question. Um, you know, actually, in history, there's an awful lot of, uh, of um, uh, people in the service and whatnot have taken up uh, beekeeping. In fact, that was a major pa- pastime of the Cossacks oh. <laughs> in retirement. <laughs> Not that I'm a Cossack. <laughs> well, I might be. <laughs> uh, so, Oh, I think uh, I think it's a, a combination of things. I mean, uh, I had helped a beekeeper when I was young, mm-hmm. part of a, a Boy Scout thing, and I'd helped him for a, a while in the summer, and and I, it intrigued me. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, you know, someday I would do that. And then uh, just shortly before I retired, I bought a small farm uh, just outside of Prince George, and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, after I retired, well, actually, I started keeping bees before I retired, and and it just kind of caught on. It's I find it uh, very enjoyable, um, and it's calming, even though I got stung this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I think bees are probably one of the most important animals, or. Yes. insect in in the world i have one tattooed on my chest it's becoming a wasp as i age but at one time it was a bumblebee <laughs> yeah. those uh, things is not the, the problem with uh, <laughs> tattoos gravity it's gravity <laughs> yeah they tend to grow yeah and so um i was happy to see the other day around my place a real Bumblebee, because uh, uh, you know they're part of the. So you have honeybees, but bumblebees do they make honey too? Well, they they make a form of uh, of nectar that they feed to their young. Uh-huh. It's not something that humans uh, would consume. They honeybees keep the uh, the nectar or the honey and the pollen separate in their uh, hive until they're ready to use it, uh, to, and then they make a thing called, they call bee bread. Uh, oh, my understanding yeah. with bumblebees is that they 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 don't really do it that way. They kind of mix it right off the bat. And, uh-huh. and That's why they're so fat. Huh? <laughs> That's why they're so fat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, and like it's it's interesting. This is actually National Pollinator Week. I don't know if you were aware of that. No. Oh, my intuition, eh? I was saying your timing is perfect. It started yesterday. Uh huh. Goes for for the next week, and it's where. You know, people are recognizing pollinators, and and uh, there's lots of information out there on ways that uh, the average citizen can uh, help promote pollinators. Mm-hmm. Pollinators are so very important. Uh, I'd, I think it was might have been Albert Einstein that said that um, uh, if uh, if bees bees are the most important species, if they disappear, we're all done for. Yeah, and uh, it's because they have so many. Um, and, and it's because of their relationship. They've evolved with plants, mm-hmm. and uh, and without uh, bees or without pollinators. I mean, it's there are other pollinators besides bees, but bees are the main pollinator, and not necessarily honeybees. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, you've got you know your mason bees and uh, and bumblebees and wasps even can be deemed a pollinator. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's uh, I think there's something like 187 or 190 uh, pollinators in in BC, different species of pollinators, and most of those are bees, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, honeybees. What's unique about honeybees? They're actually imported. They're not. They're not native to uh, North America. Okay. They came over from Europe. Uh huh. They're, they're native to just about everywhere else in the world except uh, the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they uh, first showed up here, you know, in the 1600s uh, mm-hmm. with the pilgrims and the, <coughs> the settlers that came. Mm-hmm. And um, the the unique thing about honeybees is that they they're very uh, they can be very species specific. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Whereas bumblebees will visit all kinds of flowers and whatnot, uh, and uh, whereas honeybees, if there's a large um, crop of like dandelions, we just had our major dandelion bloom. Mm-hmm. Once, <coughs> excuse me, once they focus on dandelions, the whole hive—that's all they do—is go to dandelions. Uh-huh. Um, and when that nectar source starts to, to thin out, then they'll go to others and uh, to other plants that are prolific and creating lots of nectar. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, humans have capitalized on that over the, the millennia by, by saying, okay, well, let's put them in uh, the almond orchards. Uh, let's put them mm-hmm. in the uh, apple orchards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the honeybees. Oh. Now, oddly enough, bumblebees are actually a better pollinator in, on, on many, like a lot of the berries, mm-hmm. uh, tomatoes, for example. Mm-hmm. Bumblebees do a great job, uh, better than honeybees. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I don't cut, I'm just starting to cut my hay because it's really grass, but I let it grow because the dandelions are uh, at my place are a little behind. And uh, I want the bees to be able to have all and anything else that needs to, to have a flower because dandelion is probably the first flower of the spring. It, it is the very first, um, the very first food source that the bees around here get. Mm-hmm. All all bees, not just uh, honeybees, mm-hmm. is the uh, pollen from maples and willows and birch, and then and they also get some nectar from uh, the maples and the uh, birch and aspen. But um, then it's dandelions. That's their main nectar source. Yeah. And bees need both pollen and. Nectar. The nectar provides them with carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Pollen provides them with their protein and minerals and fats. Mm-hmm. The other thing about um, uh, honey is that it, it's it's not just delicious. It's it's full of all kinds of wonderful things for you. That's right. And I and I should put a plug in here for local honey. Yes. Yeah. Let's. That's what we're here for. Yeah. So. I mean, I have some customers who swear, who have severe allergies to pollen, for example, and uh, they find that by eating my honey and um, and other local honey that hasn't been too highly processed, mm-hmm. that it actually helps them with their allergies in the spring. Mm-hmm. Do you come to the farmer's market? Do you... I don't. Uh, yeah. There are other beekeepers that do. Yeah. I don't. I'm... I guess I'm not that well organized, and <laughs> some years, some years um, the honey crop isn't what you'd hope it would be. Mm-hmm. End up creating expectations. I tend to sell by word of mouth and at at the farm gate. Yeah, 
Um, when I was working, I used to sell it at work and mm-hmm. life, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we we just um, just have our our regulars, and um, some years there's a bumper crop. I you know if I have a a really large crop, I might show up at the farmers market, but I don't want people to depend on that, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea. Now, <clears throat> um, the when I had a very deep cut on my shin. Um, the doctors couldn't get it to heal. And and then I remembered reading something about the Egyptians using honey to heal wounds. And uh, then I read about Manuka honey. And um, I went to one of the health food stores in town and bought some Manuka honey and put it on that wound, and it healed it. But regular honey would heal it too. Yes, it would. And uh, like Manuka honey actually... Uh, I was uh, t- touring in New Zealand here in, in 2019. I spent a couple of months there, and I oh. I spent I was, it was part of my the whole reason to be there was to go around and visit beekeepers mm-hmm. and to go to farmers markets and go to some of the larger producers and um, and to kind of get up get uh, some education for myself on on their uh, honey and on manuka honey in particular. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Most most of the beekeepers, well, all of the beekeepers I talk to there, they don't eat manuka honey. Mm-hmm. Its value is in uh, ointments for wounds. That's right. And uh, I don't know if you've tasted your manuka honey that you bought, but it doesn't taste very good. No, but I've taken it when I felt like I was getting a cold. I, I would take a half a teaspoon. And um, but I kept it for wound healing. That's all I I saw it as an antibiotic. Yes, and it's excellent for that. It does have some special properties. Uh, uh, all honey has anti uh, uh, antiseptic uh, properties. So yes. uh, it's just that with manuka honey, it tends to be in a higher concentration. Yeah, it, and, it uh, is. Yeah. Now the value of honey. Um, I was reading about somebody who. Um, he he took honey, a tablespoon of honey, but it had to be local honey, nothing that was uh, pasteurized or, or or treated. And he lived to ninety, and he said it was because he took a tablespoon of honey every morning. I, sh- I should make it to ninety then, because I certainly have that much every day. <laughs> um, Do you? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, honey is is very good for you. There's so many things from the hive. That are good for you. Propolis is uh, right. another product, um, and uh, yeah, honey. I mean, there's uh, in 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 Europe, in places like Latvia and uh, Hungary and whatnot. They they actually will have their bees in houses, and mm. in some cases they actually sleep in the houses. They swear that the 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 air uh-huh. is better for you. Well, I, you know, I I can't disagree with them because, uh, I mean, a bee will only sting you if if they're threatened by you, right? What did you do to that bee this morning? <laughs> well, it's it's my fault. I was I was actually doing an inspection, and I was um, we were testing for mites. Oh yes, and uh, there's a process you use where you collecting bees off of a brood frame. Oh yes, uh, and I got a I I closed my hand, and I had a bee on the inside of my finger. And oh. If you put pressure on them, yep. their, their instinct. Yeah. So uh, if you ever have a bee land on you, <laughs> uh-huh. um, now I can say this about bumblebees and honeybees: uh, they, if you, you know, try to swap them, yeah, uh, whatnot, you're very likely going to get stung. If you just 
sit calm. They'll fly away. Yeah, they will. I have had lots of them on me, and and uh, I had to carry a kit with me because I got stung by a bunch of wasps and ground wasps and had quite a reaction. But I'm still not afraid of them, and the bees for sure. I I love bees. I would never kill a bee ever. And uh, I read a little thing about putting a dish with stones in it, with water in it for the bees and so that they don't drown, that they can get a drink of water from a little dish, but they've got stones that they can crawl on. Yep, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. There's, there's some things that are, that to promote pollinators. Yeah. Um, I mean, education is obviously the first thing is to, uh, you know, to, to, to learn more about, about pollinators. But, um, um, you know... Most of the garden centers, Art Naps and uh, Honeyfords and others, I, I don't want to <laughs> leave anybody out, but yep. I don't necessarily know them all. Yeah. They, they all are very, um, very good places to get information as well. Mm-hmm. And what plants um, would you recommend? Like, don't cut your dandelions, that's for sure. And But you were saying that they will go to a certain area, like if there's an alfalfa fit field and bloom there's all kinds of of plants that you can plant in your garden mm-hmm. know that the garden centers will provide you with that kind of information and they carry them but the thing to avoid is buying invasive species mm-hmm. planting them and i i'm pretty sure that you know the two outfits that i mentioned are very careful about that now yes they may not have been in previous years but they're very sensitive to that now uh, the other thing is about spraying yes Using insecticides and herbicides, that's, that's not good for anything, but particularly not uh, pollinators. No. Yeah, and uh, we have to know that this glyphosate is is deadly, and they're spraying it in the, the forest, and it's in that uh, stuff that they use on the lawn. Uh, I forget the name of the... Weedex? Weed, uh, some, not Weedex, but... It's gone? It's, it's got glyphosate in it, and you need to really look at that because it's deadly. You know? uh, yeah, glyphosate is uh, it's one of those uh, things that I think... Uh, you know, in 10 years from now, we're going to find out just how damaging it is. I know there's all lots of information coming forward now in studies yeah. about, you know, picking berries uh, in areas even, yeah. you know, seven, eight years after it's been sprayed out in the forest. So Yeah, and it won't wash off and it won't cook out. And so we have to keep the bees buried. They're, without them, there's, there's not us. Well, bees, bees are kind of uh, the canary in the coal mine in terms of biodiversity. When you start to, you know, when the bees and the frogs and whatnot yeah. disappear, that's a, a huge warning sign. That we're next. We're, we're not far behind. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's a book I read called, I think it was called The Honey Bus, and um, it was about a grandpa that had uh, bees and about his granddaughter, and it, it I get passed it around to friends of mine to read about how wonderful bees are. And one of the things that bees represent is community. And uh, um, I think that people should really think about the importance of not spraying, of not cutting the dandelions, and, uh, you know, eat honey every day. <laughs> yeah, no, that, those are, that's all good advice, and and don't be afraid of bees. That's the other thing. Yes, uh, yeah. you know, I get a lot of calls. In fact, I had one just yesterday from a lady who 
wanted uh, some bees removed from one of her garden sheds, and she thought they were honeybees. Uh, we were able to determine that they were actually a very small species of bumblebee. Oh. Um, and, you know, once she realized that uh, they're not going to sting her, yeah. um, that they're, they're going to be gone after the first major frost, yeah. um, they're not going to uh, build their nest back in the same spot again next year, yeah. but just uh, enjoy them. Because yep. they're fun to watch, and uh, and they're very good for your yard. Cause they are. Yeah. Donate your flowers and your vegetables and things like that. Yeah. And we, uh, we've got to say goodbye, Barry. Okay. But I want to get you on again. Uh, talk more about the um, what's in honey, and so I'll give you a buzz, and we'll set up another time. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Sharon. Stay safe and don't let the bees bite you. <laughs> That's part of the job. Talk to you later. Bye. So this is Senior Moments, and we're going to sign off until next week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hurd with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Golf Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at cfisfm.ca. Owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society, you're listening to CFIS-FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1.